Colossians chapter 3 this morning, we're going to talk about the home life. The home life. Um, Good stuff this morning. And uh, I'm going to share some things with you this morning that honestly we're not, uh, well I guess it is the same direction, but um, I kind of made some adjustments to it this morning. I got up a little bit earlier uh, than normal and kind of made some adjustments. And so, um, <clears throat> listen, this morning, I believe that this is the area that if we get it right, our country will be affected. There's a lot of griping and whining and complaining about what's going on in the nation today, but people have neglected to deal with this part of their life in their home. And I am convinced that if we get this right and we have our homes set up as God designed, we can make a difference in our nation. Our churches will be impacted. Um, our communities will be changed. Um, and consequently, I think it will spread to the nation. Um, and, <clears throat> and that's not to discount our civil duty to get involved in, in, in our government and those things. And uh, by any means am I saying that those things aren't important. But listen, when we, uh, I'm afraid from what I see uh, in today's uh, Christianity, if you will, and I'm talking people I know that are independent, fundamental Bible-believing churches, there's a whole lot of focus on politics and what politicians ought to be doing, uh, and they're not looking at their own lives and what they ought to be doing. I, I just, it just, I mean, Facebook is blasted with stuff constantly every day to the point where I'm just like, I don't even know why I have this thing anymore. Um, uh, <clears throat> I got a lot to say about politics, but nothing to say about their walk with God and, and things on that, that social media, and so we need to be careful with that. But what's important? You know, uh, this is just a temporary place uh, that we're passing through. Uh, and listen, Christianity is worldwide. It's not American Christianity. And so um, this morning, there's just, I've had a burden on my heart for our nation for so long, uh, for, for several years now, just I think as I got older. And, and, uh, but the more I think about that and ponder the burden I have for our nation, uh, we need to get a burden for our families and getting our families in order. And if our families are in order, and as we raise our children and they go out into the world, our communities will be different. Yes. Uh, they will look different. And, and uh, sometimes, and, 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 listen, are you praying for your country? I don't care if Biden's elected president or not. Are you praying for him? Listen, if you're fighting against that, you're fighting against God, because God has ordained that and put him there. And so we need to keep that in perspective. And that's, that's all side notes. Um, let's uh, start. We're going to read Colossians 18 through 21, and we'll look and see what God has for us this morning. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And uh, So this morning, obviously, we're going to be talking about the home, our home life, and, and really God's design for our homes. And uh, I, I came across some commentary <clears throat> as I was preparing for this. And, and the man said that God wants every marriage and home to be terrific. And I was like, wait a second here. What, what does that word terrific mean? And uh, I don't know why I think, maybe I waste my time on some of this stuff. But I looked up terrific. And uh, in its original archaic meaning, it means causing terror. And so this morning, I don't want our homes to be terrific in that sense. I want our homes to be blessed. 
uh, I want God's favor on my home, and I trust you do too, and, and God to be pleased with the way that our home is. But when I looked at that, I couldn't help but think, terrific, right? Really. And, and uh, so Cindy's in a pretty excited mood this morning. She's giving me a hard time. And so I was telling her about this, and she's like, oh, really? You know, I caused terror in our home, huh? No. And uh, so we had a good time with it this morning. But listen, I want our homes to be blessed. I, I honestly pray for the, the families of our church that they would be blessed and that they would be God-honoring families in our church. And, and I, I think that's how our church is going to go forward for Christ. And so, but to have a blessed home, and in another side note, I got distracted. I kept thinking all those times my teacher gave me those stickers that said, you're doing terrific. I was like, wait a second here. What was she really telling me? Uh, maybe, maybe I wasn't as good a student as I thought. But anyway, those are side notes. And, and uh, <clears throat> listen, for our homes to be blessed, each individual in the home has to do their part to please God. Um, that, that really, in order to have that holistically healthy home, I guess you could say, everyone needs to be doing their part. Um, and listen, and I think what, what Brother Sommerdorf said is, is great. You've got to mind your own business and, and worry about your piece of the pie, uh, so to speak, and that's so true. Um, and so listen, even if other people aren't doing their part, that doesn't re- remove your responsibility to do your part in the home. And so uh, there are tough times in marriage. There are tough times in homes with child rearing and, and things. Everything's not always easy. Uh, but to have a happy and a healthy home, uh, it does take work. So if you want to turn there, you can. I, I got it written down in my text here, but Proverbs 127.1. Or Psalms 127.1, sorry, excuse me. I don't think Proverbs goes that deep. Right, so, yeah, so. That's the uh, JWD version there, you know. Uh, yes, sir. You guys are familiar with this passage, I'm sure. It says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman watcheth but in vain. And so the idea here is, is having God's blueprint or God's design for the home that, that God needs to build the home. Uh, in a world today, homes are falling apart. In our world, they're just they're falling apart. The, the traditional, I guess, or the biblical... Uh, image of a home that God has established is almost non-existent in today's world. And that's a, a terrible thing to say because, as I said, the home is the beginning of the rest of society, right? It, it, we go from our communities into our nation as a whole from there and, and really the world. And, and uh, why are they falling apart? Uh, it's because they're not built according to God's design. They're not built by God. The Lord needs to build the house. And, and listen this morning, if you're not asking God to help you, uh, you're doing it in vain. You're wasting your time. Your efforts are useless. Um, <clears throat> except the Lord build, the idea there is the home is rooted in Jehovah. When you go back and you look at that, and, and so the home is God-centered, is the design that God has. Uh, that each individual in that home, the, the wife, the husband, and the children would do their part to be focused on God and to serve God in their capacity that God has given them. Uh, and, and I don't, I, we can't overstress that enough. It's so critically important that we do our part. And I feel kind of uh, 
being sufficient, I guess you will, talking about this when we just had family camp with Brother Severmerdorf, but nonetheless, it was in the book that we're looking at right now, and so here we go. And uh, God's design for wives is to submit yourselves unto your own husbands, as it is fit in the Lord. That's God's design. Um, in culture today, the verse that, that we look at this morning that says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, uh, really has, got a, has been received, uh, there's a false understanding regarding the role of the woman in marriage. Uh, they don't really understand it uh, correctly. Uh, but nonetheless, this verse is a call for wives to be obedient to their husbands. To be in submission to their husbands, I guess, would be a better way to say that too. Uh, it, to obey this God-ordained position or call, command. It's God-ordained. It's not that our husbands just came in one day and said, you know what, i got a great idea, wives. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to submit. That, that, this is God-ordained. Um, which gives me a lot of comfort when it's time to discuss things with my wife. Let's be honest, right? It's not about me trying to uh, have my thumb on my wife or, or any man for that matter. But it's about understanding God's rules in the home and ensuring that, that we do the things that, that God has ordained for our homes. Uh, submission does not diminish the equality or the dignity of the wife. Not even a little bit. Not one iota, as they would say. And uh, Christ himself is the model for this principle. And I'm going to do, I know we've looked at these, this passage quite a bit recently, but I think it's good for us to do it, so we're going to do it again. But listen, Christ being equal with God, yet submitting to the one with whom he is equal. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, we're going to read verses 5 through 8. Look what the Word of God says here. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant. And was made in likeness of men, and being found in fashion as man, as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so we see uh, Christ willing to submit himself to the Father. Uh, what a great example. But was he any less God or less significant? Absolutely not. Uh, we, I mean, the, you can't underestimate the value of Christ and what he brings to the Godhead and, and what he did for humanity. Um, he is equal with God. And so um, it has nothing to do with equality. It has to do with position and roles and responsibilities. Um, marriages are monsters because there is no clear line of authority. Have you ever seen a marriage that gets like that? Uh, things are a mess because there's no line of authority. And uh, any institution... Uh, must have a clearly defined level of authority or defined lines of authority. And, and families are no exception to that. Uh, the, and again, these are how God ordained these things. And um, <clears throat> There's a saying that says this, anything without a head is dead, and anything with two heads is a monster. Listen, ladies, and, and I say this with all uh, sincerity and humility, you can make your home a disaster. You can make your home terrific in the negative sense if you don't follow this principle that God has given you to do. Uh, in, in submitting and in, in following the leadership of your husband, you can rear your head and, and defy those things. And, and 
most of the men I, I'm sure today will agree with me this morning, but there is nothing more attractive than a modest, chaste lady that is just honoring God with their life. I don't care what the world says about the things that please the eyes and the flesh and those things. Um, there is nothing more attractive to a man than a lady that's just godly and living for him and doing those things. There's something about that, um, and you can see it in a lady, and it's like, wow, that's a good woman. And, uh, <clears throat> and so, ladies, you can make a huge impact in your homes in this area. Uh, don't make your home a monster. Uh, when the lines of authority are followed as God designed, uh, there's peace and tran- tranquility in a home uh, that really cannot be obtained otherwise. Uh, there's no way, the world, listen, the world is trying to recreate the home and do it differently. And they're saying, this is great and we can adjust these things, but look at the chaos that ensues and, and, and all the trouble that it brings. When we do it God's way, there's tranquility and peace and, 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 uh, and you have that blessed home. Uh, but we got to remind ourselves that a wife's submission is as it is fit to the Lord. Um. A wife is not obligated to follow her husband's leadership if it conflicts with the biblical teachings, right? So uh, it's as unto the Lord, right? Just like the children. And, and so um, a wife's submission is designed to fulfill the God-given role of, of a model wife regarding her husband. And, and uh, I wrote this verse in here, Proverbs thirty-one twelve, and it says this, She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. When you think of a model wife, She's a helpmeet just there to do good by her husband every day of her life. And what peace a home has when that's taking place there. And, um, <clears throat> but I'd be remiss if I didn't remind you men to get into Proverbs 31 and look at some of those things that ladies are doing. They're buying and selling land. Um, so I, I, I've came up at a time, uh, at times I, I was around people and their wives had like no liberty to make any decisions or to do anything. That's not a biblical model either. Um, and so, it's, again, it's not all about having your thumb on somebody and, and you're the boss and you're ruling the house. It's not like that. Go back, because we all tell our ladies to go read Proverbs 31, but you men need to do that as well. There's some good things in there that we can glean, that we can, listen, that we can support our wives in them doing as well. And we'll get to more of that. We got, we're going to talk about the husbands here momentarily. But um, <clears throat> since a wife is only be submissive as fitting to the Lord, her submission is not absolute. Uh, there are some things. If a husband should ask his wife to do something that violates the teachings of the Scripture, she has the right and really the duty uh, to not do so. And uh, we see that principle in Acts chapter 5 and verse 29. And, and we know the, the well uh, known uh, phrase there. It says we ought to obey God rather than men. And there becomes a point in, uh, that a woman may need to say, hey, this ain't right. And sometimes, men, we need a gut check. Uh, and, and we ought to be sensitive in, in, in understanding of our wives' input. But I want to remind you of Achan. In uh, Wednesday night, we're kind of going through uh, Joshua with the teen people, and we just talked about this. And so you have Achan here. And he is the one that went out to war to take Jericho with the warriors. And they go and they take that city and he sees those things. And he grabs those things. And the word of God says that he saw them. 
He coveted them, and then he took them. And we know that he took those things home. And he hid them at home. And then the Word of God tells us that there was sin in the camp, right? And so the 36 men lost their lives. They were defeated at Jericho at the, at the first time they were going forth to take the city. Um, or excuse me, Ai, sorry, when they went to Ai afterward. Uh, those 36 men were killed as a result of sin in the camp. And so they go back and they go tribe and, and family and finally man by man. And they get to, to Achan there. And the sin is in Achan's camp. But I believe this with all my heart. I think his family was complicit in that. They had an opportunity to say, hey, this ain't right. So um, picture this. All those people going before Joshua and the, and the priests, giving an account. They're trying to find where the sin lies in the camp. Nobody speaks up. Uh, in that scripture there, we only see at the point where Joshua looks at Achan and says, hey, and then Achan confesses. I, can you imagine the disruption in the camp that's taking place here? Everybody knows something's going on, but not a single person spoke up until they got face-to-face with that man. And listen, that man led his family into sin. But I believe our merciful God would have spared the family if they would have spoke up. But they became complicit. And listen, ladies, you have an opportunity, or, or sometimes, and, and definitely a duty, when your husband's not doing right, to say something. Uh, and, and you can't necessarily always control it, but you can say something. And, uh, and men, listen, that's a great example of how we can destroy our families. Getting ahead of God. God had ordained for Achan to have all of those things. Every single thing that he took. The garment, the silver, the gold, all those things that he coveted after. But he desired and he took it before God ordained it to happen. He could have had all that when they went to Ai and to the countless other cities that they were going to take. But because he wasn't willing to wait on God, his family was murdered or stoned uh, to death. And so uh, I better move on or we're going to run out of time. Uh, Most importantly, when we look at this idea of wives and and the design for wives and, and them submitting to their husbands, it is in the context in the framework of love. And so here we go in verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Uh, I think this might be uh, one of the most challenging things for a man to do, at times at least. Uh, some, some ladies are probably super lovable and you're great and grand, like my wife. So... You guys all are telling her the things when I'm making fun of her. She better hear about that one. But um, the motivation for wives to submit to their own husbands is the husband's unselfish love for his wife. The unselfish love for his wife. Uh, men were selfish. I know human nature is selfish, but I think men are extra. They got an extra dose of that part of the, the carnal nature there. Uh, we tend to be very self-centered and, and selfish. And, and uh, so... We need to have an unselfish love for our wife. Uh, we could park it right here for a little while. Uh, we see here that husbands love your wives. And, and that word there, love, is a present tense verb. I'm learning a lot about English. Um, but it's a present tense verb. 
meaning continuous action. It's continual, ongoing. Uh, It's a verb, it's an action. And uh, the idea is husbands keep on loving your wives and sacrificing for them every day. And it's funny that these things happen. You know, we were sitting out in the foyer before and, and Tiffany made a comment that, you know, Ken told me he loved me when we got married and that's good, you know. And, and I know we say those things in jest and in fun and, and it's fun to have those com- those, say those things and, and we understand what people are saying. But, but listen, men, your wife needs your love. They need to know that you love them and, and that you're willing to lay down your life for them if necessary. Uh, and uh, it's hard to do when you're being selfish to love your wife. If your home is like my home, it doesn't operate without your wife. But do you express that to her enough? Do you let her know? Do you demonstrate that in your actions? It's daily. If a husband does not daily show his wife or show his wife love, that he loves her, he violates this command. And that's sin. That's sin. And, you know, you get commentaries, you do all this research, and you do this stuff, but I'm going to refer you to Ephesians chapter 5. I think this is the best description of the love that a husband ought to have for his wife. They always say the greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible, right? And so Ephesians chapter 5 says this in verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. And gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And so I want to remind you there, you see what Christ did to generate something for himself? You picking that up in that verse? That he might present it to himself a glorious church? Listen, young men. Listen, old men, or, or, or young men, whatever the case may be. Listen, if you will invest in this area, it will pay dividends. It's, it's not a one-way street. But if you love your wife as Christ loved the church, she will respond. And you'll, you'll find that, that she will not be frustrated about submitting to your leadership because she knows that you love her. Anyway, uh, so my, verse 28, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife, see that she reverence her husband. A love that is willing to die is the command of a, for a husband to love his wife. So much so that you would give anything up for your wife. How you doing, husband? Do you have that kind of love? Or have you been selfish and, and focused on what you have going on? And, and, and listen, I, I understand it. Work gets busy. They just put me in a new position. Um, I, my phone never stops. Like, I, I'm just 
I'm ready to retire, I guess. But um, it's like more responsibility and, and longer hours. And, you know, then you got things to take care of at home. You got the children and, and all those things. Uh, and so it's very easy for us to get neglectful of our wives and ensuring we're meeting their needs and demonstrating the love that we're commanded to give them, that they deserve, but we're commanded as well. Uh, they deserve that. And in my experience, Cindy has never one day taken a day off. <coughs> Women are amazing. I don't know how they do it. Babies on their hip, dinner on the stove, laundry going. It's just, a, it's, I don't know how they do it, but um, we ought to afford them the same in how we show our love to them. As much as they labor to make our homes function and they support us, we ought to be demonstrating that we love them. And it's an endless love. It's a continuous love daily. We're outpouring things to them and sharing those things. And listen, I, you know, they talk about the five love languages and all these things and how blah, 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 all that gobbledygook. But, but get to know your wife. I mean, for anybody that's married for any amount of time, you got some idea of what she likes and, and, and the things that, that interest her. You should anyway. I, and, but listen, it's a continually growing and learning process. Women are very complex. So. <laughs> so. But listen, she needs to know that you would be willing to die for her. Amen. And it requires obeying the latter part of this verse in verse 19. Be not bitter against them. And uh, we, we can spend some time here, but I, I think we're going to move on for the sake of time. But listen, uh, just, I'll, I'll leave it at this. A, a husband should never display rudeness or resentment toward his wife. Uh, your wives ought to be treated with kindness and respect and honor. Um, and I believe that with all my heart. God commands husbands to dwell with them according to knowledge, right? Giving honor unto the wife as the weaker vessel, that your prayers be not hindered. If you don't have a right relationship with your wife, your relationship's not right with God. That's a sobering thought. Because sometimes we get a little self-righteous and high and mighty, thinking we're doing pretty good. We got that. That woman just needs to get in line. Wait a second. We're the leader of the home. We have the responsibility to set that tone. And I really honestly believe this. It may take some time, but any man that, that demonstrates the love that Christ has for the church toward his wife, in time she will respond the way God intended for her. In time. Because I get it, right? Homes aren't perfect. Uh, there are struggles in those things. And, but listen, we need to understand our wives are a weaker vessel. Um, if a husband does not honor his wife, his prayers can be hindered. And I know if you're trying to minister in the, for the Lord, that's a terrible thought. You go before the throne of God saying, God, I want you to do something. I need you here. It's hindered because of your attitude towards your wife. Be careful, man. Honor your wife as a weaker vessel. And this doesn't mean uh, that women are inferior. In fact, and I hate to admit this, but in many marriages, the wife are superior intellectually and morally. Um, I, I think that's not all, right? 
the term weaker vessel means she is physically weaker, uh, maybe emotionally weaker. Uh, God created her as the weaker vessel physically. A husband is never to use his superior physical for, or strength to force himself on her in any way. Anyway. Right? Um, Cindy comes from an abusive uh, home as a young person, and, and so when we were first married, there were some learning that we had to do. Um, and it was, we had some challenging times. I repaired some doors in the home. I'm just being candid with you this morning because I get it, right? It's not all sunshine and butterflies. Um, and so, but as we grew in Christ and as we grew as a couple and, and we desired to please God in these things, we overcame a lot of that. Because what she saw in the home and what I saw in the home were different and neither were perfect. And so when you bring these two together, it's like, whoa, wait a second. What do we got going on here? And uh, so listen, uh, men, you got to be careful physically with your wife. Just because you're stronger doesn't mean you can take her down. Well, it means you can, but you shouldn't take her down. So I take Cindy down every, every once in a while just to remind her, in a playful way, right? So, but, uh, <laughs> so. emotionally, I came up with this, uh, or I didn't come up with it, actually. Tommy Higgle did. He, men are like iron skillets. Most men, and, and most women are like fine china, the weaker vessel, emotionally, right? And, and so imagine a hammer of rude, harsh words hitting an iron skillet. Then imagine that same hammer hitting a piece of fine china. Most women are more easily hurt emotionally by offensive or cruel words. Our words are dangerous, men. I learned a harsh lesson recently in this. And uh, the details are not for you to know, but I learned that what I said to my wife was very painful. And we need to be careful. They're the weaker vessel. And we need to understand that and we need to, to love them. I hope to never say anything that would hurt Cindy. And that ought to be our desire. And uh, as husbands this morning, that ought to be all of our desire, that we would do nothing that would offend our wives or hurt our wives. What if a husband is not a believer? First Peter deals with this, and uh, the wife is still to be subject and, and, and really to be a model Christian wife. First Peter 3... 1 through 2 says this, it says, Likewise, ye wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, uh, they, may also, they also may, without the word, be won by the conversation of the wife, while they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Uh, listen, an unbelieving husband can be won to the Lord by observing the respectful and chaste conduct of his wife. And I believe likely, uh, or likewise, uh, a loving Christ-like husband could reach his unbelieving wife for the Lord. Um, I know two men that I can think of right now, Rick Vestal and Byron Griffith. They were men in the church. Their wives came to church, and they had nothing to do with it. And I watched Teresa Vestal for years, faithful to church, bringing her children to church. I was a young teenager when this was all taking place. And, and uh, I joined the Air Force, and we left. And then uh, about five years or so later, I got stationed back at Fairchild, and so we started going back to our home church. And here I am, there's this new guy in church. I'm like, who's this guy? Rick Vestal, Teresa's husband. She had just lived a godly life in front of him, year after year. 
The church had been praying for him for years. And one day, he had visited occasionally, and and one day he had a meeting with Pastor, and Greg Boyle led him to Christ because of his wife and her faithfulness just to do right in front of him. And uh, the same thing of Byron in Las Vegas. There was a, a, a man there, the same, same thing, almost exactly the same thing. His wife was coming and just faithful and faithful. And then uh, Byron started showing up, and he was like, what's going on? He, he noticed his wife was different, and, and, and there was something about her. He, he was like, this, she's been so much more kind and loving. And, and he came, and, and after a few weeks of visiting, he was uh, led to the Lord. And so I believe that could be the same uh, of a loving husband. He could reach his wife. And so, uh, listen, homes aren't perfect. No individual is perfect. But if we will do, thing according, do things according to God's design and his plan, I promise you it will work. It may take time. It won't always be easy. But God will always honor you doing right. Every time. Moving on to verse 20. This is where we just want to spend all day, right? Most of y'all got your kids all grown up, and well, not everybody in here. Um, children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. And, and so uh, it's pretty simple and clear. Children, obey your parents in all things. Uh, I, I think the smallest child can understand that. Uh, the world today try to make, tries to make it much more complicated and challenging. Oh, what about these circumstances? Or you don't understand their feelings. Did you ask them how they feel about that direction? And, and those are the things that are going on out there. Uh, and really, this verse is just taking us back to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 12, right? A reminder for, for children to honor and, and to obey their parents. And, and listen, children are to listen and to carry out the instruction of their parents, both parents. Right? Not just dad or mom, as it were, both. And so men, this is where we can come in and we can support our wives to ensure our kids are honoring and obeying their mothers as the father figure in the home. Uh, the other day, one of my boys said something to Cindy, and I was shocked at his tone. And talk about wanting to take somebody down, um, I let him know that it was unacceptable. And... Uh, and listen, those kids, they might got me here, but I still assert my dominance physically, and I can still take them. But, um, you know, intellectually, I got them still yet, and, and uh, Lord willing, they'll bypass me. But, but as far as right now, I can still take them. And so, uh, man, we ought to make sure our kids are in line with their mothers. Uh, disobedience to parents is a serious sin that violates God's command. And it's rebellion. That's what the Word of God tells us it is. It's, it's rebellion against God. And uh, so we need to make sure we do that. And, and it says, in all things. This is the hard part for the child. Not occasional obedience, but continual. I came across this quote by A.T. Robertson. It says this, Waves of lawlessness sweep over the world because the child was not taught to obey. We have a responsibility to teach us. It's not just children obey. We are to train them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It it takes training to do this. And uh, you see it throughout the world. And in America, 
like never before today. You see this lawlessness because never, no one was ever given any boundaries. No one was ever guided in, in these things. And I got a lot more here, so I don't, we're definitely not going to get through it. But uh, we'll pick it up in two weeks, I think. Um, but listen, parents, we have a duty to bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's a duty. We need to teach our kids to obey. We need to be consistent and firm. Uh, listen, I, I want you to get this before we close for you, those of you that are still raising kids and those that will have grandparents one day. Do not raise them up how you want them or how you were raised. Raise them up for God and for what God wants. It's not all about just falling in line with mom and dad. You're training them to serve the Lord. And, and now consequently, the things that you're instructing them to do and, and directing them to do that are in line with the Word of God, they're, they're doing those things. And you're expecting compliance because that's what God told for their part. But, but we need to be careful. I, I, I have a friend, good friend of mine. I won't say his name because you never know who's listening to this stuff. But um, I can think of his name right now and his family's a disaster. His dad was the meanest person on the face of the earth when we were young. And his dad demanded things of him that were totally unreasonable. And it destroyed his family and his kids. Talking, We'll get to that section here, provoking them to anger or wrath. And, and listen, he provoked his kids. Uh, we need to be careful. It's not just blind obedience, if you will. Uh, there's a purpose behind that. It's God's design to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And we need to be careful as parents. And Although being disobedient to parents is a profoundly serious sin, every time children obey their parents, it pleases the Lord. We're going to close with this thought here, but we ought to recognize this and let them know occasionally. We are good at focusing on the negative Sometimes too good. We're good at getting after them. Uh, sometimes we need to remember that, hey, what you're doing is pleasing God. You've done right in this area. You've been obedient, and, and you're doing what you've been directed to do. God is happy with that. God is pleased with your conduct in this area. And uh, I know for me, um, <clears throat> it was probably not until I was in my later teen years or even off into the Air Force, I didn't get a lot of, you're doing a good job, son, from my dad. It's just not how it was. And some of that's good, right? Because it taught me how to be a man. And it taught me how to do some things. But our kids need to know that the Lord's happy with them and that we're happy with them occasionally. There's nothing wrong with that. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray, Lord, that the things that we discussed this morning would be evident in our homes. I pray, Lord, that we would truly desire to please you. And, Father, that you would change our homes to be more Christ-like. And, Father, that our church would grow to be more like Christ, Lord, and that you would impact our community through this church. And we'll give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.